Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You're listening to the Spoken Word program on 3CR. We're proud to be broadcasting from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and I pay my respect to Elders past, present and emerging. My name is Carmen Main and today we're really lucky to have two special performers. Predominantly we'll be hearing from John Inglesos. But to start the show, and it's also important to know, today is a special day in the poetry community, not just here in Melbourne, not just here in Australia, but globally it is World Poetry Day. So a special thank you, I guess, for tuning in on World Poetry Day And I really think it's important to acknowledge the power of poetry. Sometimes poetry can say things that is really difficult to convey in any other way except through poetry. So our first piece on the show today was recorded at Griffin Speak, the first Griffin Speak for 2019. It was recorded a couple of weeks back by one of our hosts on the show, Brendan Bonsack. And the poem is by Zainab G. Farrar. On Harmony Day, on Harmony Day, you marvel at my cuisine and compliment my attire. You're ready to celebrate me and everything that I contribute to society. Yet, as soon as tragedy occurs, you're quick to throw me in the line of fire. Quick to paint me criminal, dangerous, violent. Quick to scribble me out like an error that doesn't belong. Quick to deem me liar. See, they say, they say when you see injustice, you've got to call it out, stand up and speak up. But how? How do you find a voice that's hiding within, refusing to come out and knock senses into people? When every new tragedy is an arrow pierced into healing scars, how? How are you meant to recover? When Koyos forces your wounds to gape open just as they're about to seal shut and recover? How? How do you escape and find solace when you are the war? What do you do when you're both the enemy and the battlefield? How? How do you stand up to defend yourself when you're swimming in an ocean and you're anchored down by crimes attached to you unwillingly? How? How do you stand against the enemy when your own skin is the monster that haunts you? What do you do when your own skin feels like a threat? How? How do you learn to slowly crawl out of a booby-trapped body, a body you once used to call home, ally, but now I'm not sure where you belong? What do you do when the flesh that was placed on your body for protection and the scarf you wore in pride are turned against weapons that taunt and question you? How? How do you fight a system that's designed to suffocate and erase you? When you're told to rise in a court ruled by supremacy, what pleas of innocence do you put forth when your existence, your every breath is the crime? What words of reassurance do you whisper to your beating heart when pain and sadness evict joy and happiness? See now, life, life is no longer about living, it's all about survival. I wear worry like worn out wool and keep prayers sewn to my lips like clothes clinging to thread. And the sad thing is now, every time that I look in the mirror, I too look at myself with questioning, doubtful eyes. And a voice in the back of my mind whispers, maybe they see something that you don't. Maybe they're right. John Inglesos is a freelance photographer, a spoken word poet, and Melbourne's 2015 Poetry Slam champion. He was part of the first Australian team representing at the National Poetry Slam Finals in Denver, Colorado, 2017. 
His first book, If the World Were Upside Down, centres around notions of hope, identity and wonder. He has mentored and run workshops for creative people in the fields of live performance and visual arts, is a speaker coach for TEDx St Kilda, is an uncle to four and a brother to many. Find John's work at John E. Poetry, Instagram, Facebook and WordPress. It's such a joy to have you in the studio. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Always a, always an interesting experience to be in a radio room. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and I have to say 3CR's radio room is a slice of radio history. So yes. very interesting to be in these walls. Um, I understand our first piece for today is entitled Sunday Lunch. Yes, Sunday Lunch from memory. It's... Uh, it's part of a group. Uh, there is part of a group called um, the Dirty Thirty, which takes place in April, where a whole bunch of poets uh, sit down together and uh, given prompt, one prompt a day. And so we got told write about family in the form of a recipe. And I thought about it for a little while, and, and straight away went to nostalgia and doing lunch with my grandparents. And so this poem came out. Ingredients. Two parents, five sons, one Yaya and Babu, one red Mitsubishi Nimbus, one car trip, one old house in Albert Park. Method. There should be no method to making Sunday lunch. There's variation and nuance, of course, but the key ingredients remain the same. My Yaya used to say, Metomati, by the eye. It was how she made all of her meals without measuring. Metomati, metomati. So you prepare the boys. You iron shirt and pants. You comb hair, brush teeth. Last toilet visits is everybody out. Two parents load five sons into a red Mitsubishi Nimbus. We sit and stew in Sunday tra- traffic, listening to Beatles, Beethoven, Billy Joel, or we sing our own songs. We arrive in Albert Park, based in fresh, nearly beachside air. Wind open the iron gate, wind the doorbell, wait. Wind again, peep through the mailbox slot to see Bapu lumbering up to the door. Be greeted with a scratchy kiss. At a sprinkling of your best limited Greek, Esi, Gala, are you well? Gala, if Karisto, well, thank you. Sagapo, Bapu, I love you. Sagapo, Yanakimu. Kick off shoes, run down the corridor, fast plus the radiator fireplace and football playing on the television. Greet Yaya with as much affection as she can handle with cooking implements still in hand. Prepare customary Sunday afternoon drink. Mix one part apple juice with one part Tarax plain lemonade, thus making homemade apple cider. This is the nectar of kings, or at least beloved grandsons. Prepare the table, long knives for the adults. Short knives for us. Squeak back wooden chair across lino flooring. Admire Yaya's crocheted handmade tablecloth she made without a design, protected under a thick sheet of plastic as only Greeks can do. Call in Babu. Leave Sunday afternoon football to crackle and pop on the television. Hold hands. Say grace. Kick brotherly knees under the table. Soak in everything. Pass that bread basket, the margarine brand that doesn't exist anymore. Fill the plate with as much as you can. Curried rice, uh, lettuce, tomato, roast chicken, roast beef, roast potatoes. Sunday lunch is ready because the whole room smells like roast potatoes. Every Sunday when we are there, my papa eats too fast. He hiccups and tells himself off, <laughs> uh, shut up. 
every Sunday lunch, I swear. And we laugh because we're just kids. So have seconds always. There's always room for more. Always. Offer to do the dishes. Always. Thank you, Yah, with a kiss. Always. She's had two knee reconstructions and she still refuses not to make lunch for us. I am a child, laying down on the floor in front of the radiator fireplace, my small fingers tracing every surface in front of me, the curved wooden leg of the coffee table, the intricate leaf pattern woven into the carpet. Mayaya brings out a glass jar full of chocolate-covered hazelnuts, the perfect dessert. Efkaristoyaya, thank you. You see, we are fed by far more than what we can eat. Light streams through lace curtains, lighting my babu's hair thin and white, my yaya's hair thin and grey and so curly. I'm looking at a picture on the wall. It's a cottage, surrounded by tall trees, standing by still waters. I don't know where it's from. I think it must be heaven. This place here is heaven. I am so safe. I am so full. I doze off gently, warmly, to the sound of my grandparents sitting overhead speaking quietly in Greek. I cannot understand a word they are saying. And now I wish I did. I miss them. But I remember all of it. Sunday lunch from memory. Metomati, by the eye, we are so loved. We are loved without measure. Thank you. Spoken word on 3CR, John Inglesos, Sunday lunch. (laughs) I really enjoyed that journey and it struck me while listening to that beautiful piece that poetry has this power to take us so profoundly into a place. Yes. And um, thank you for inviting us in for Sunday lunch today. That was beautiful. <laughs> I really also wanted to pick out a line that I loved and yeah. perhaps discuss a little bit around it. Yes. We are fed by far more than what we can eat. Mm. What feeds you? Oh, man. Like the whole thing about that space that I recall is the generosity and the and the abundance of it. Mm. And for me, when I am part of why I fell in love with the spoken word community in Melbourne was that I was greeted with so much abundance. Um, and the whole thing of, you know, what we have, we have to share. You want to come sit, sit with us. Like that was, there were, there were people that would um, make an effort not just to size you up first and then say you can join us. They were just like, you're here, welcome. Mm. And um, that for me is immense. Um, and abundance is such a kind word as well. And just mm. that kindness that links into Abundance, I find, it's, yeah, a beautiful word for it. I hadn't really considered it in those terms, but, Mm. yeah, thank you. Perfect Mm. word. You're welcome, thanks. (laughs) Nobody taught me when was the appropriate time to kiss a girl was. I mean, the movies make it look so easy, 
According to the movies, we've both just gotten out of an exploding building or a crashing plane or a burning forest or survived some natural disaster, all the while managing to work out past differences and genuine misunderstandings through a heated yelling match while your workplace is obliterated slowly across the course of 97 minutes. Or... We just had a romantic carpet ride soaring through clouds and fireworks and you're royalty and I'm just a street rat, but we both know perfectly when to take turns singing the melody and the harmony echo, even when there is a key change, all without rehearsal. Or, I've just driven you home in some luxury vehicle of some description and I'm wearing a suit and not sweating profusely at this fact and... You've given me some really clear visual cues. You've stammered and bit your lip and you've brushed back your hair and leaned in gently and said something sweet like, I had a really nice time. Or you're being held at gunpoint and by some end-of-level boss who is determined to get, make a getaway in a helicopter as if that ever works. And, and I'm there in the best ripped T-shirt and six-pack you've ever seen, created by an entourage of dedicated makeup artists and the best CGI effects that money can buy. And it's up to me to talk smack long enough for you to get one last concealed dagger from your jacket while I receive a bullet to some non-essential part of my body and you get the credit for the final kill shot because you know girl power or we're both laughing into our salads in the middle of a song slash time-lapse sequence spanning across the entirety of spring with at least five separate outings in the space of two minutes and neither of us have to stand in any queues or deal with bad weather or noisy children or get phone calls interrupting anything and it's sunset and the whole world goes into slow motion and they fade to black and roll credits before either of us come up for air. Good grief, they make it look so easy. But I don't have a fancy car, I hate wearing suits. I don't count on ever being in an airplane hostage situation and I doubt it'd be particularly useful if I was. But I'll try to keep my eyes peeled for fake security guards carrying unnecessary amounts of weaponry and simply suggest we leave before things get out of hand. On the other hand, maybe my world is not dramatic enough for your liking. And maybe that's why my love life is nothing to write home about or turn into a movie. That being said, I don't want the soundtrack of our adventure to finish with Rod Stewart singing Christmas carols. I'd rather think that a kiss is not some standard cultural transactional reward for either of us being particularly heroic or opulently charming. I don't know if I'd rather kiss you at the height of a panic-induced moment of danger or the most comfortable lull of silence between the most easygoing of conversations, but I definitely, definitely don't want to kiss you only to have that be the end of the story. You're listening to Spoken Word on Community Radio 3CR, where community voices make a big splash. John, I understand the next piece we're going to hear from you is called My Niece. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that one? Certainly. So um, part of my... uh, Part of my experience a few years ago is I, I went through a fairly traumatic incident that sort of impacted on me, well, I suppose impacts on everyone in different ways, but um, but shaped um, 
my engagement and my willingness to be joyful and energized and being an uncle to four, including, um, including twin girls, um, meant that I was obliged to and had an opportunity to be around those, those energy full of life brimming personalities. Um, and that spoke heaps to my sense of hope and, and a lot to my willingness to engage more happily in the day to day. Um, and so, um, in some ways my niece is someone of a hero to me. Oh, wow. So this is for her. Oh, it's lovely. My niece Phoebe is a delight. She eats the cheese before the Vegemite. That is if she gets to the Vegemite. So the tradition goes of making her lunch, cutting it up into squares or bite-sized pieces, knowing full well the cutlery offered will hardly be used. She is a master chef in the making. Her specialty is to deconstruct everything on the plate before her, eat her favourite bits, but then she really gets to work. After she's stirred in chips with grapes, poured water over the entire plate and worked in any other items handed over or accidentally left within reach, then she'll offer to feed me with the cutlery. And I love her. When Phoebe was two... She had heart surgery. They hooked her up to more computers than the Apple store. Post-surgery, the nurses in the ICU would make their way past her room just to catch one of her smiles. I think it was in the hope that the light of her countenance would spread throughout the ward and to all the patients and the staff and provide a professionally acceptable level of transference. She is a young and beautiful life, set with the default of joy turned up to overflow. So... Whenever people talk about kids with disabilities and folks arguing using phrases like quality of life in order to justify reducing a him or a her down to an it, I cannot help but disagree and say that's not the way I see it. My niece is the highlight of any given day. When we are together, she will stand on my lap and lean in, her forehead pressed against mine, and she will growl the deepest growl a a two-and-a-half-year-old can muster, and I'll growl back at her. She pokes at the stubble on my chin. Even though she has seen it before, she is still fascinated. She is a tactile learner who deems me worthy of constant rediscovery. I asked her once, What sound does a dinosaur make? Rawr! What sound does a lion make? Roar, because there's a difference. And then I asked her, what sound does daddy make? She puckers her lips and kisses the air. Oh, I am being schooled in life by a two and a half year old. We have this game that we play almost every time we are together. She will gasp with a sudden intake of breath. (gasps) This is the signal that she would like to play. It's the sound I made when she first pulled my glasses from my face. It seemed like the right level of clownish surprise, and so it stuck. She gasps, and I echo the, (gasps) and she grabs the bridge of my glasses and pulls them off my nose. And she looks at me up close, and I look back at her. The moment is typically broken when she tries to jam my glasses into my mouth, and I mutter my objection and squawk like an old dial-up modem. (laughs) She laughs throughout all this animation. Her eyes fix squarely on me and my response, and I do not need my glasses at this distance, so I look back at her with equal fascination. And I see her, and she sees me. And when she smiles, the day is brighter, and I find myself rediscovering my own smile. When it comes time for her to go home, she offers her forehead to be kissed, 
the same way the Queen might offer her hand. Phoebe has Williams syndrome. No, I hadn't heard of it either. It makes her hair curly and perpetually messy. It makes her musically inclined and a little bit more susceptible to noise. It makes her a bit slower developing. It makes her a bit more vulnerable. It makes her very inquisitive. It makes her a whole lot more fearless. It makes her a whole lot more happy. She will wander right up to strangers just to see them and take them in. And if you're not quick, she'll probably steal what's on your plate. She will love on anyone she encounters without fear, judgment or reservation. Like I said, I'm being schooled in life by a two and a half year old. Who knows what this will mean for her future, for the boys and the girls and the men and the women she will encounter and who will encounter her. People will invariably notice that there is something different about her. But if anyone is to dare ask me, what's the matter with her? I will simply look her way. Watch her face light up in recognition. Turn back to them and answer, not a thing. Mm. She sounds like a delight and what a beautiful poem to capture Mm. her in. Um, Thank you. I wanted to ask about hope and beauty because those two themes run strongly in your work Mm. and definitely I heard that in that piece, my niece. Thank you. Uh... So when it comes around to, I suppose, like, people talk about the childhood wound. Um, And typically, if you're going to follow psychoanalysis about it, it usually relates back to something the parents said, but that wasn't my experience. My experience was that I was bullied in school. Mm. The criticism and the narrative that I received at home was incredibly, uh, was, was one of respect and dignity and that I was unique. Um, you know, one of the first verses mum and dad taught to me was Psalm 139, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, that, that I am an intricate being and that I have inherent worth. Mm. And, but the narrative of the school is, you know, you're too tall, you're too big, your voice, you know, your voice dropped, you're hairier than everyone else, you know, like all these other things. Mm. Um, and so you, you get to this point, well, which narrative is to be believed? Um, and, and how do I navigate myself through a world where I might have an appreciation of me and someone else does not. Um, So I have been exploring, um, particularly recently for book number two, um, around what what the nature of beauty is and what it consists of. Um, And I think, not to put a formula on it, but I believe that um, beauty has an artist, an artwork and an audience. And if we are being presented with um, with something that is you know beautiful or valuable or desirable, being held at distance, it always means that it's externalized. The you know the the nice car, the size eight jeans, the whatever it is, is is somewhere out there, mm. and it's something to be strived for and earned, and somehow is never quite attainable. And yet, um, if I stop to appreciate that. There is beauty also in the momentary. It's not just in the external product. It's in the, it is in the handshake. It's the smile. It's the giggle of children and the sunsets and color and music and kindness and all these other things. When I see that that beauty is something that is being offered perpetually throughout the day, and it is something that I can offer into other people's days, that I become a lot more immersed in it. Hmm. 
and in as much as it's possible, I wish to invite people out of, I think, the this repressive bubble that certain people and a lot of us, myself included, sometimes get ourselves caught in of saying the world is too small, I have to get things into control and something is beautiful out there and the gap in between me and it is the frustration. Mm. Whereas I would much rather believe that I am in process and all of this is in process and process is beautiful. That's when the ingredients get mixed in. That's where there's collaboration and other ideas thrown around and and imagination is you know just is being given that space to wander mm. and and if and if people can give themselves time for that for play for rest for for observing beauty and 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 wishing to offer it somehow then we'll all have something wonderful to contribute mm. and it's a permission i guess in ways to appreciate the everyday like yes. it doesn't have to be something you buy in a shop or something that's so far away it's yeah every mm. moment has mm. that potential yes mm. yeah thank you for sharing that in your in your work but also in your words just now so this piece is called when faced with a feeling the thought the implication or the accusation that you are not enough. May you feel the fullness of your dimension. May the brimming of your capacity serve as comfort, not criticism. For the one who formed you knows you and your purpose, precisely what you are intended to carry. No vase can hold the garden, no vessel the entire ocean. May you feel your capacity your possibility and potential, in the filling up and the pouring out, and in the refill and the overflow. So, dedicate yourself to the part you play, so that you may feel your divine purpose being fulfilled. May you ease into this flow. This world is being shaped with your movement, this garden grown through your care and carry, your prepare and your pour. So you see, it's not so much how much you hold, as it is who it is that holds you. May you find your purpose and know the worth of who you are and what you do. And may that, may that be enough. Thank you. Mm. In all sorts of communities, um, we can often be faced with our individual thought that we are not enough. Yes. But I guess sometimes the joy in a community is that it can prop you back up a bit and I definitely think the spoken word community does that yes there's a lot of goodwill and kindness in this community now I understand that at the end of this month you have a uh, exploration for perhaps one of a better word there and feel free to correct me an exploration of the idea of like art and beauty and um, looking at the visual arts, but also like spoken word. Mm. Is that coming up soon? Yes. Yeah. So on Thursday, March 21st, um, I am going to be giving a talk down at Two Dots Collective, which is just down in uh, Johnson Street. Um, it's hosted by a group called Made to Create, and uh, it's called Reclaiming Beauty, which is the topic of my second book. Mm. Um, the intention is to... Because this idea has been kicking around my head for ten years of like how do i how do I navigate you know who I am and my worth in a consumerist culture? how can i um, 
how can I set about bestowing dignity on myself and others? Um, and I think that beauty has a huge part to play in that. Awesome. And I did hear you say a few times now, second book, that sounds so good. I'm looking forward to it. Hooray for self-publishing. Yeah, self-publishing. Um, is there a time frame? Are we looking forward to this later this year perhaps? Or? Um, the time frame, the ETA was last year in spring, um, maybe spring this year. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, keep your eyes peeled and you can definitely find John Inglesos's work online. Um, what were the handles again? Uh, just uh, John E. Poetry is the easiest thing. I'd love to thank our guest today on Spoken Word here at 3CR, John Inglesos. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Take care. You've been listening to the Spoken Word program on 3CR. My name's Carmen Main and our guests today have been John Inglesos and Zainab Farah. Spoken Word is on every Thursday morning from 9 until 9.30am on 3CR. You can find us on your radio, 855 on the AM dial. You could stream us online at 3cr.org.au or you can tune in to our weekly podcast. For more information on Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene and spoken word scene, check out melbournespokenword.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned to 3CR. Had your time over again Would you do it all the same Down through all the twists and bends Are there moments you'd erase Could you just leave me standing